Okay, Themistocles was a fantastic Athenian uh, politician, and he was well known in ancient Greece, and he helped to bring about true democracy to the ancient Greeks. But, you know, towards the end of the life, he got really fed up with everything because he was quoted as saying, if there were two roads, one leading to hell and the other to politics, I'd re- choose the road to hell any time. And that, my friend, I'm going to say, is all you're going to hear about politics this morning. Um, we don't need those pictures. Not yet. <laughs> you might see some strange pictures coming up, but they're there for later on. But I will add that it's very important to pray on Thursday. And we must pray that our nation and our politics will be healed from its present malaise. If, during this sermon, you, you sort of correlate what's going on in the world today with what was going on in the ancient world, you can draw your own conclusions. But I'm not going to be talking any more about politics. Well, we're talking about Jeremiah, an unwilling prophet. Every time he opened his mouth, people hated him. They tried to kill him. They put him in dungeons. They put him in a cistern, left him to die. They destroyed all his writings, which, by the way, with the help of a scribe, he did rewrite. And this was because he was speaking truth, the word of the Lord, And the people at that time were in terrible moral decline. And I'll give you, put you in the picture. He grew up in the time of a king called Manasseh, who was incredibly evil. He was meant to be a shepherd leading the chosen people of God. But what he did, in fact, was he put up bales, idols all over the place. He put altars in the actual temple devoted to God. And he also, what's it, he, he practiced sorcery, divination, consulted medium, spiritualists, and sacrificed his own son in the fire. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't sink to greater depths of evil. And his son, Ammon, who followed him, he was just as bad. And then Josiah came along, who tried as a king. He, 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 he was in absolutely horrified when they found the book of the law and he was scared of what God was going to do. And he said, great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words in this book. And he, he really did his best to reform the nation and he got rid of all the idols and he called the people to repentance. But all the subsequent kings, uh, I'll try and say them, Jehoahaz, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, Zedekiah were just as evil as Manasseh and the people easily slipped back into pagan worship with its grotesquely immoral um, practices. In addition, the priests made a mockery of worship in the temple. They just went through the motions. They didn't mean anything at all. And the rich of the land got richer at the expense of the poor. And most of all, there were false prophets claimed to speak for God, who were in fact saying what the people wanted to hear. They didn't listen to God at all. And then Jeremiah was called to speak. And they said they didn't like it at all because God's word 
really hurt. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declared the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord says to the shepherds who tend my flock and have driven them away and not bestowed care on them. I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done. We'll have the pictures now, please. I had a go at being a shepherd once. It was before I went to university and I did a gap year. And I went to Yorkshire and I worked on a farm for eight months. That's Mr. and Mrs. Mason. And the other lady is a beautiful lady called Kay Zima, who actually came from Uganda. And she'd come to this country to learn about dairy farming. And... uh, Mr. and Mrs. Mason kindly gave her a home and a base while she studied in this land. And it was lovely speaking to Kay because she spoke English with a broad Yorkshire accent. (laughs) And when I went up there, it was as good as going to a foreign land because, yes, they did speak a foreign language. On the second day, I was told to go and put Bears Mitmistle Lass, which translated means go and put the broom in the cow shed, young lady. (laughs) And there are all sorts of funny names and words I had to learn. Well, anyway, I did my turn at being a shepherdess, and I was pretty rotten at it. Yes, I loved helping with the lambing. Um, There we are, two of the pet lambs. That's Annie on the left. Uh, She was a very intelligent little sheep, I can tell you. We'll have the next picture. That's another one with Annie, and the inset is Mary. Now, Mary didn't have much between her ears. She was what we call nice but dim. But anyway, there were quite a varied flock of sheep. Uh, a lot of them Ashams. They were, they were crossed with Swaledales, who were very feisty little things. And it came to the day in the year when all the sheep from all the little farms went to the big farm where they had to uh, be dipped in the sheep dip. And so we sort of took our little flock along to the big farm. And, of course, Mr. Mason came as well. All his friends were there from the far- all the farms around, and he wanted to stay. So he said to me, okay, lass, you take the sheep back home. And I thought, what? And those little sheep knew I was a bad shepherd. I tell you, they weren't buying. They were laughing at me. And they went faster and faster and faster, and I was trying to run after them, which isn't very easy when you've got wellies in on. And we got to the farm gate, and some do-gooder passerby had closed the gate. Fortunately, postman Pat turned up just in time. I'm not kidding, he existed. And he parked his van across the lane, opened the gate, and we shepherded the sheep back into safety. If he hadn't turned up at that time, those sheep would have ended up on the main road between Ilkley and Skipton. I could have kissed him. (laughs) I was so grateful for him. But it just showed I had no authority over those sheep, and they were going to be scattered everywhere. And these evil shepherds in the time of Jeremiah, they had no authority, no godly authority, and they were scattering the sheep everywhere. But Jeremiah, he was a good shepherd. And the good news is that throughout all those evil times, there were people who, despite everything, remained faithful 
to the Lord. They were the faithful remnant. And as we know, there are plenty of bad shepherds who've led our nation into moral decline. But I really want to concentrate on what has happened within God's church, the people. In my lifetime, there have been prominent clergy who've taught that Jesus was just a good man. And others have said that there was no divine, um, sorry, there was no virgin birth. Others have said the Holy Spirit was for the past only. Some say that miracles don't exist. Some clergy have bled their, uh, sorry, I'll get this right. Some church leaders have bled their congregations dry in order to make themselves rich. And worst of all, some who are in positions of trust are dared to abuse those in their care. And it wasn't very long ago I met a vicar. Um, I was in Wells at the time, so he was not from Bath, fortunately, who actually said he didn't believe in the Bible. He said what his people wanted to hear on the Sundays. And there was a youth worker there who said he told his young people not to pray because he didn't believe God answered prayer and he didn't want them to be disappointed. I was so shocked that when I got back home, Patrick, our former vicar, had to calm me down. I was really upset. So it's no wonder that Jesus' beloved church, the body of Christ, has been battered and weakened, and many have been scattered. But the good news is and there, there, there remains a smaller but stronger church in this nation. And Jesus is calling us. He knows us each by name. He calls each of us and he calls his church, my beloved I myself will gather the remnant of my flock and I will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in numbered, continued Jeremiah. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid. I want to show you a short video to show you how shepherding should be done. Those sheep know who the right people are to look after them, and they trust them, and they follow them. And, of course, Jesus is our great shepherd. And anybody who speaks with his authority, people will know that you are with him and that he is with you. Jeremiah said there would be good shepherds, and there are. These are the church leaders who truly believe God's word and lead their flocks forwards and we're very grateful to Mark for being one of them. But you know fellow believers are also good shepherds and throughout all the joys and laughter and temptations and sorrows in our lives in times of doubt or when we feel lost and far from God they are the ones who call us and lead us safely back into the fold. Jesus calls all believers to be good shepherds. And I think the Eagles film this morning, where people are getting together and they're working together and they're helping each other. They're all being good shepherds to each other. And as uh, Kathy said, it's not just a physical thing. It's emotional. It's mental. It's spiritual. It's drawing people together. Good shepherds helping each other. 
sometimes we need help and sometimes we can offer help through Jesus' guidance. And I think sometimes Jesus asks us to look around and say, who's in need at the moment? Who needs a little bit of guidance? Because that can make all the difference in a person's life. I was just thinking about our son, Richard, our second son, who, much to my horror, stopped coming to church when he was a teenager. And I got very upset, and my husband said, well, you know, don't, don't worry, don't worry. And, but he did come to New Wine, and he went to Soul Survivor, and he sort of got his annual fix of Christianity, and that kept his faith alive. And then when he did come to church, mainly because there were pretty girls there initially, um, but he did get hear the gospel, and his faith did develop. So when he went off to university, he was a Christian, but he didn't have any good shepherds when he was away because he couldn't find any church that was alive and he couldn't find any church that could nurture him through difficult times and he struggled. We need shepherds around us. And then, of course, he got a job in London and he went to Nicky Gumbel's church. Well, he couldn't have had a much better shepherd and it wasn't very long after that that he was baptised and all these good shepherds have made him the man of God that he is now. So, don't forget, who is God asking you to help? Now the exciting bit. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days the land will be saved. This is the name by which we will be called the Lord, our righteousness by which he will be called, not us, sorry. And as I read those particular verses, I was reminding of some other verses. One in Corinthians, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. You see, we think we know what God is in store for us, but sometimes he comes to us so unexpectedly We think, I never expected that. And it's wonderful. But we've just got to be expectant. If we think, oh, God's not going to do anything, then we close ourselves off. But if we're open to him, then he can come. And it's beautiful. As we've been heard in the worship, Jesus, our Lord, is the king of righteousness. And he is here now. And he will plow blessings, not just on us, but on this land. And we can never know when he will do this or how he will do this. He loves to surprise us, either as individuals or as a nation. And I'm asking you, has Jesus ever taken you by surprise? I told, Jeff Evans told this story this morning because he was here at the earlier service. But I'll tell it for him. Do we have the picture of St. Paul? Yeah. Jeff Evans was a quantity surveyor before he retired. And he wasn't just an ordinary quantity surveyor. He used to do things in St. Paul's Cathedral. 
And he'd had a bad day. He'd, he'd been looking around St. Paul's with the architect and the clerk of works and somebody else. And he'd been giving them the bad news of how much it was going to cost to do the necessary repairs in the cathedral. And nobody wanted to hear what he was saying because it was bad news, lots of money. But anyway, right from the very top, we can have the next one. I haven't got a little pointer, but anyway. Um, Right at the very top of the dome, there's like a little eye. And suspended from there was a platform. And he, plus the architect and these other people I said, were standing on this platform because they'd been asked to look at the paintings up in the top of the dome. And he was feeling a bit fed up by now because people had been very negative towards him all day and it was taking much longer than he had hoped. And suddenly, Evensong started way down below and he knew that they had to stand stock still because any movement on that platform would have sounded incredibly loud and it could have hit the sides and it was wobbling and swinging so I just had to stand still and he was thinking that's another train missed and then he heard If you don't know that, it's uh, from Stainer's crucifixion and the choir below were singing it. The words, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son wafted up. Now, John, uh, Jeff had heard those words many times. But the sheer magnitude of the meaning overwhelmed him that time. And he said he wept. He was just overcome with what Jesus had done for him and the the holiness. God was in that place. He said, I went from weariness to knowing I was standing on holy ground. Totally unexpected. This is what Jesus loves to do. He likes to sort of jerk us out of boring things and just surprise us. I can remember driving home from Calm one day. I'd been to buy a porter potty, porterloo, whatever you like to call it, um, for us to use at New Wine. And on the way home, I, it was a beautiful evening, and I became aware of Jesus' presence. And so I drew into a lay-by. And I was just overwhelmed by a beautiful all-encompassing weight of God's holiness. And I stayed there for about half an hour before I could drive home. Why did he come then? I've got no idea, other than he just likes to surprise us with his love. He does this all the time. We've just got to be open to him. At New Wine one year, The evening worship seems to have reached a new level of beauty and people were singing as one in the spirit. And then suddenly I heard 
deep, deep, rich voices burning out in this incredible harmonies, taking what we were singing and adding to it and making it sound just wonderful. And I thought, I didn't know the worship team could sing like that. It was incredible. And then when the worship finished and the leader got up to talk, he said, some of you here heard the angels joining in with the worship. I'd never come across that before, but it was just beautiful. And I was speaking to Robin Lewis after the service, the nine o'clock service, and he said that he has heard the angels singing, and it's just so beautiful. Why? Because he loves us, and he loves us to know. Trouble is, we sometimes don't expect him to surprise us. We work so hard. We confess our sins. We pray blessings over our city and over each other. We go out to minister to those in need. And we love to spend time in worship. But it's not what we do as individuals or as a church. Nothing that we can do will make Jesus pour out his blessings. He does it because he loves us. There's nothing which will make us worthy of his blessings. It is by grace alone. He loves us passionately, and that's why he loves to surprise us. When we give gifts to children at Christmas time, we don't necessarily give them a gift and say, oh, this is so that you can um, do things better. We give them gifts because it gives them joy. And this is what Jesus does for us at Christmas This is why God sent his son to us at Christmas. It was to give us joy. And when you look at the world since Jesus came, history changed when Jesus came to earth. There's no doubt about it. And in this time of Advent, when we're thinking about Jesus' birth once more, it's good just to spend some time being open to Jesus His love is for everybody. We don't have to pass any tests to receive him. He pours his love upon us. Be open to him. Be open to this promise. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We say thank you to Jesus for all he has done. But if there are any here who don't yet understand the meaning of that verse, then I would encourage you to talk to people and come for prayer after the service. Amen.